welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I am joined by actor-writer Kerry Howard. Hello. Hello. So you are divorced. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely response. <laughs> I've never had anyone sing before. I interviewed an opera singer and she didn't even sing. Well, you've got to spread your talents. <laughs> Come on, don't hold back. Um, yes. And I must say, I feel very buoyant. I'm in ascension rising period of the divorce, post-divorce phase. So um, I feel so, when people ask me if I'm divorced, I do want to sing. Yes, because it's so liberating. I'm like, I'm free. <laughs> it's so good. So, well, that's a lovely response, singing to you are divorced. So welcome to the Divorce Club. How long have you been in the Divorce Club? Two and a half years. It's about two and a half years. Yeah. Oh, wow. So early, quite early doors in the scheme of things. Quite early doors. I'm uh, about eight months out of court. So that's fantastic. Um, I wouldn't be so buoyant if I was still in court because court is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the, what everyone seems to say is the most stressful bit of the like sorting out all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's so stressful. The thing is like, We've watched so many court dramas. So we all, it's already a theatrical event. So when you walk into court, it's like you're walking on stage. And I'm an actor as well, so I should be like more like, oh, this is fine. But it does feel very heightened because you've seen it represented so much and you do shit your pants. You do think right, a police officer is going to come out from a door and arrest you. For what? I don't know. But you just feel like you're a criminal, even though you're not. It's mental. It's just got that energy. to arrest you for... Divorce. The divorce. How dare you? And what did you? I know this is a very, this is a very like cliche woman asking question, but I'm genuinely interested. What did you wear to court? Because that's what I'd worry about. So I went to a lovely charity shop, uh, my local one, which I frequent a lot. I love a charity shop. And I found this gorgeous Reese uh, suit, trouser suit, navy blue. And oh, she fit me like a glove. It was the times when you could try on a suit in in a charity shop. I popped her on, zipped up, beautiful, no tailoring needed. It was, she was meant to go to court and and she was like 15 quid. So I looked at my mum, I was like, because 
cool it's expensive like I had no money so I was like this is this is what I'm wearing it was like two days before because I was going to wear funeral clothes you know because because you've got to look smart and represented and you can't just turn up in your mum jeans I don't know why because that's what you're fighting for you're a mum and you're fighting for your children and so you're not supposed to look like a mum you're supposed to look like some high-end businesswoman who's gosh you know I've got stocks like I don't know why in my brain I'm like yeah I've got to look like a businesswoman who's got shares because I think that's what I'd be really concerned with uh, I don't have any children so we didn't have to do that but I'd be like what shall I wear what do I need them to think I am it's like when I went to my dad's funeral, I didn't want to wear like just boring black. I was like, what would my dad like me to wear? So I got this like fancy, pretty flowy black dress, but it still had something to it. And I put like red lipstick on. And I think sometimes it's like a process of like building you up to the event of like putting your armor on. Oh, completely. Like, especially like the trouser suit, it is armour. You know, it's it's tailored, it's strong. I had a very crisp white shirt as well. Um, and my hair was bleached blonde to the very end with a very sort of blunt cut. I'd look completely different to how I was in the marriage. And, and, and everything was like shielded. I didn't even see him. So it was, it was a weird sensation walking into the court and... Um, and just looking at the judge, who's just an ordinary guy. So obviously the court was a difficult time, but you had your suit armour on. Um, and what else do you think got you through that time? Could you bring people with you to the courtroom? I was really lucky. I had my solicitor, her assistant, and I had a support worker, um, which we asked permission of the courts for me to have. And they allowed it. And she was amazing. She was called Esme. She's a lovely woman. And she wrote notes. Well, because I couldn't do anything. Like, it's a real weird, you're kind of like shocked that you're even in family court. She's like, how has this happened? I just wanted divorce. Now we're fighting over the custody of the children. How has this happened? And she wrote everything that everyone was saying. And I just, just couldn't take it in. And then we would have meetings afterwards. And then they would tell me what happened. Because I just, I think I, I blacked out most of the time. That's so interesting, though, because it's like when you're in a high tense, um, intense situation, you do, everything happens so quickly. I will always come out and be like, I don't know what happened. So I think that's really good advice for anyone going into court is to have someone there with you who can just tell you what happened. Yeah, because you just, it's either fight or flight. And sometimes I would just flight into my imagination. You don't know which way's up. You're like, it's, if I hadn't had my support team, definitely probably would have had a breakdown. Most definitely. God, that sounds really tough. I can't imagine what that's like. But I think it's very common in family court. I think that happens all the time on both sides because it's so emotive. You're dealing with people's children. So it's people will do whatever and say whatever they need to say to get what they want. How was that process for you? So how long did it take and what were your days like? Was it like court all day and then you come home and sleep and then court again? It would be all one day court. You'd be sort of, and, and, and you, you were never given a time slot. Like the time slot would be 11 and you'd go in for 11, but you wouldn't know when it ended. So inevitably, like you wouldn't have, di- you wouldn't have your lunch. You'd come out of three and you'd be like starving, but then not hungry as well because adrenaline and all of that kicks in. You're just like, oh, what's happened? It's gone my way. Uh, are we okay? No, we're not okay. There's another court date that you've got to then prep in a month's time. See, so it was, and it was over, I think it was over about two years, the whole process. It took a long time. Just, yeah. And see, now, now that I'm eight months out of it, I can feel like oh, serenity of it because I'm, I'm far away from it now but like when I was in it it was very heavy and I just it was the amount of money as well it was, it was costing like an email was 250 quid a pop just to respond to your solicitor who my solicitor was amazing um but you know it builds up yeah and and how does it how does the decision come through are you in court when you get the decision do you get an email is it a certificate you we, you you get you get the decision like in court you leave the room they have a bigger chat then your solicitor will sort of run out and then come back in and kind of like give you a little 
I think it's going to go away, but you don't know. And it's all very like, well, don't, don't even tell me that. I need to know what the thing is. So how was, what was the first thing you did when it was all over and you were out of court, you're divorced? So the first thing I did, because I had a bit of spare money, <laughs> was I joined Soho House. And I've been wanting to join Soho House for like years, but I was never allowed to. And then I did it out of kind of like a revenge of like, this is something, it was so decadent to kind of do that. And um, and I have a house nearby, Babington House. It's like a 20 minute drive. And I drove there and I, they've got this gorgeous outdoor pool. And I went in there and I, you can see the trees and the sky. It's like in the middle of the countryside. It's just heaven. And I swam in that pool and I just, I felt so proud of myself. Cause I was like, if you can do this, if you can swim in a pool where there's trees, you've, you've achieved life. Like I just, I, I really was aware of my privilege and my success and I just thought this is enough this is enough you don't need anything else you've got your babies you're you're giving yourself time you don't need to go back to work straight away just be kind to yourself and allow yourself to have these these moments of decadence because I've never I've never ever allowed myself time off I've always either been looking after the children or doing a writing meeting, or doing auditions, but never re- or like seeing friends and helping them out, but never really factoring in time to just be. And that's what I, I learned during the divorce process is I wasn't doing that. I was just being in trauma and talking about it all the time. And I wasn't actually helping, aiding myself into healing. So Babington has literally been my therapy. That's so nice. For anyone who doesn't know, Soho House is like a members club um, and you can normally apply if you're like in the media industries. Um, And yeah, I'm a member of Groucho and it just means that you can sit there all day and have meetings really and just have a chill out. Yeah, and and feel like you belong somewhere when you're unemployed. Like I go to these places and it just makes me feel employed because I'm an actor and I'm allowed to be there because I'm an actor. And it's just that sense of like, you're coming home and it's nice to feel like, Oh, this is my family. This is my group. I exist. Even though I've moved away from London, I can go there and still feel connected to the industry and and feel nourished knowing that there's other creatives around and it's just, everyone's just being a bit more chill and a bit like, Zen about life it's nice yeah it's like my office I always think of it it's like I'm paying for office space so so that really helped you and you said that was something you learned that you needed to just through the divorce you needed to just be are there other things that you learn you think through the divorce process or like things that helped you with your mental health during that time Um, I went to an amazing group where I met, weirdly, I met a really great friend um, who I did my first group meeting. And then like that afternoon, I went to pick up um, Wesley from school. And the mum that I met was like on the other side of the gate. I was like, are you here to pick your kids? And she's like, yeah. And turns out our kids are in the same school year, different classes. And so we've become really great friends. And like literally she as I was going through the court she was going through the court I got divorced divorced first and then like a year later she got divorced and and now she's now doing the every other weekend for the first time and I'm kind of like holding her hand and like she sent me a message the other day and just was like oh my god now I realize what you've been going through and do you think that's particularly valuable because what I've found is that a lot of my friends from before my divorce haven't been through a divorce or anything like me. I mean, it's part of the reason I started this podcast to just talk to people about what I was going through. Um, And I found that quite difficult is that I can talk to people, but they, you you know, it's, it's like the grief of a parent. It, It gets boring because especially when you're divorcing someone and it is a slow process, it isn't done quickly and it does sometimes it gets really ugly and they say stuff and you think what are you saying that never happened Ah!" and you need to sort of rant and you can tell the people that get it 
because they 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 have the crazy eye too. So they they're like they're just waiting for to, for you to stop so they can tell the same story but what happened to them. And you're like yes, but the people that have not been through that kind of like glaze over and go yeah, well he's just a dickhead, isn't he? Should we have lunch? Because they they just want to move forward because it's like. They can see the circle. They can see you're in stuck in a loop. They don't like it. Like I had, I've got a really dear friend who probably two and a half, yeah, two years into it was every time I would bring up, oh my God, you never guess he's done this now. She would just go, she would start to sort of like be neutral. And I was like, hey, hey, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she just said, I just hate the way he brings you down because you're doing so well. You're fighting in your life. And yet, as soon as something happens, you go right down. And she said, and I, I just, I love you so much. I, I, I just can't stand it anymore. And then I got it. I was like, okay, fair enough. So then I learned, I can't do my divorce rant at her. So that's fine. That boundary has been placed, but I can do it to my other friend who is going through divorce, but who needs to kind of process it and rant because it's healthy to do that but you need you need to pick your audience I think yeah and it can it can be very hard I've found and it sort of lays out your friends in a different way like maybe a friend that you would have told everything to before you can't really talk to about those things you have like divorce friends and other friends yeah you do you have divorce friends you you have friends who encompass everything friends you have fun friends you you know you have work friends and it's just knowing that everyone is valuable in your life um and not everyone needs to know everything about your life. And that was a real turning point because I've always been a tear and sharer. And actually, I'm now learning to um, edit myself, which is actually really helpful. I need to edit. I'm such an oversharer. <laughs> but yeah, but you're still... You, how long have you been divorced? You're not that long divorced, well, are I'm you? I'm not still officially divorced yet. Well, there you go. You're still, you're still in it. Yeah. You're still having to deal with dividing shit and finances because that that is that is when things get a little bit ugly so what's life for you like now you're divorced you're open to the world are you starting to work again are you starting to date um I've had a few dates and then weirdly when I wasn't even thinking about it um a guy has like come into my life and he's like so not what like it, like it, I can't like. <laughs> I don't know what he is, but he's very exciting and very interesting to me, and that's all I could say really because it's like I don't know what it is, but it's it's fun, and I and now I know that my fanny works, so that's fun. <laughs> it's always worth testing. <laughs> I mean, it was like two and a half years, and it's terrifying when you then you've had such a break, and then I had a, I did have a one night stand at Christmas, and that and that was just like. That was like a real tester, but it was, it was, I was, I was a bridesmaid at a wedding, such a cliche. But then like recently I had a connection and it actually was like, it like how it should be. And that, that was where my body was like shaking. Cause I was like, I can't believe this is what pleasure is. Cause I, I literally couldn't remember body. My body couldn't remember the pleasure of an orgasm that's given by someone else. I can give myself an orgasm, but that's different when someone's doing it to it you. Is. There's a whole nother level, isn't it? It's like, huh. And I couldn't believe that there's a trust thing that I actually let down my guard to allow myself to go to another realm. And that's what kind of shook, sh- shocked me that I let my guard down. And it was lovely. <laughs> I love that you're in another realm of orgasms. Where a lovely place yeah. to be in post-divorce. <laughs> I love it. It is. It is. You said about your one night stand. I think that's so interesting because I went to a wedding after I got divorced. And we'll talk about that because I think that's weird. Your first wedding when you've just come out of yours. I I went a bit crazy post-divorce. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. One time I um, had sex with... Because I, I went on this lovely, like, orgasm sexual rampage, which I very much enjoyed post-divorce, and I've sort of chilled out now. But at one point yeah. I had... I was flirting with a waiter 
at, at a members club. I won't say which one. Um, who was He was on shift and very beautiful and a couple of years younger than me and we were flirting. And then he just kissed me at the table, like, in front of everyone yeah and I was like yeah during his shift and I was like oh okay and then he was like should we meet downstairs and I was like oh my god I'm gonna do it so I had sex with him in the toilet of the members club whilst he was on shift hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. No, that is so hot. I know, and he like picked me up and put me against a wall and there was a mirror opposite and I remember having a moment. I drank quite a bit of Prosecco. I remember having a moment with myself in the mirror being like, oh my God, we're having sex in a toilet against a wall. We've never done this before. That's such a movie scene, Yeah, isn't I it? mean, it sounds more sexy than it was because in practicality like it's quite hard to like have sex in a toilet and like lift someone up and all yes. of that yes so it sounds but cooler than it, it is but yes it was it was a lot of fun and also I think because initially I felt quite guilty that I did that the day afterwards and I was like oh my god that was so reckless like I shouldn't have done that like that's not me I don't do stuff like that and actually what I've learned now is yeah I do because it was consensual. We were both up yeah. for it. We both had a lovely time. It, we used protection. Like, it was safe. Um, why shouldn't you express, you know, your sexuality and enjoy it? And I think 
I, I mean, I was brought up Catholic, so I think I have that slut thing in my head and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. this is really bad. But actually, no, it's great. And if everyone's consenting, then go for it. Have some orgasms in toilets. I mean, I think it's like, it's, it starts off in your head. And if you're like, I want to fuck that man, then you, you're not going to wake up in shame. It's when sex is done to you and it just, you, did, you didn't go out expecting to have sex or you didn't spot someone going, I'm going to fuck him. It just kind of like happens accidentally. That's when you feel a bit shit because you're like, did I consent? It's hard. I've had those moments where I woke up the next day and in my 20s and I've gone, I feel really bad about this. And I'm looking back now, those moments when you feel really shit because you've had sex with someone that you did not fancy was a bit rapey. And I only discovered that after I watched I May Destroy You. I watched that series over a weekend and I realised that I had been raped and I had no fucking idea because because it explained all the different deviants of like rape, you know. Mine wasn't sort of like strangled or anything like that. I just got really drunk one night and this guy had a great time and that was it. But it was all nice to me the next morning. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's very confusing. I saw in that series that someone taking the condom off during sex and not telling you is rape. And that has definitely happened to me. And it's like, I think no one's spoken about those sort yeah. of all the different, we imagine rape as one specific sort of violent act. And actually, yeah, there are so many. Yes. Wow, we've covered a lot there. Um, but other people's weddings. Yeah, we were going to talk about other people's weddings. So I, my first wedding, divorced. I was really scared because it was the first one I was going to like on my own without a partner. Didn't bring a date with me. I obviously knew people there because they were. It was my friends. Um, but I remember I had to really like. I thought about not going. But it was such a good friend, I couldn't. And I had to really like build myself up to like, I was like full Sam comedy mode. Like I'm going to be really fun, even though inside I might feel like crying. Um, and actually it was fine. And I really enjoyed it in the end. Do you remember your first wedding and what, how was it? Yeah, it was my brother's, oh, wow. Russell's. And um, so I had to go. I, uh, and he actually asked me to read... Um, either a poem or a song. I can't remember because I think, again, I was in another plane um, and it was only, it was about a couple of months after. And um, and uh, it was mad, but I didn't want to be upset for myself because it was like, Kerry, this isn't about you. This is about Russell and Keris. And they've been together for 18 years. This, they're already married. This is a celebration of their lifetime that they've already achieved. This is such a wonderful um, day. And I, I mean, I, I was on, like, I was mental because I was walking around going, well, this isn't a, this isn't a wedding because they, they've been together for so long. So actually, you know, when you go to most weddings, it's like, will they make it? Will they make it? <laughs> I mean, I didn't make it. <laughs> like, I was like, I was so manic. Um, and then I ended up talking to Danny Boy and um, me and him were chatting for hours. I mean, I was giving him good FaceTime thinking, hmm, maybe, no, want to kiss this? Want to kiss his face? Um, Nothing, got nothing. And I looked at Roshi and I was like, Roshi, what? Because Roshi was there. I was like, oh, any? Which is like, I don't know. I don't understand, Carrie. I just don't understand. <laughs> but um, So you were chatting people up at your brother's wedding. Love it. Of course, yeah. obviously. Well, that, he was the only one I could chat because, like, everyone's related to me. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and then, like, most people are married because it's of that age anyway. And, and that, except for Danny. I thought, well, he's... A good looking guy and he's you know funny and very charming I thought might as well um but yeah we just had lovely chats and that was it do you think though because I feel like my flirting when I got divorced was awful like straight out of it and I think sometimes people didn't know I was flirting with them or I was flirting so much that like someone from 10 meters away would be like she's really flirting a lot like yeah it was yeah. too obvious um do you think maybe you maybe he didn't know you were flirting yeah I I do think I'm a te like I think I'm I don't know how to read signs like unless the, a guy grabs me and then I'm like oh I think he likes me <laughs> Because <laughs> I instantly, I instantly think, well, why would they like me? Like, you just think, mm, don't think so. Um, but I enjoy chatting. 
but I'm not very, I'm not direct until someone is forward to me. And if then if they're forward, then I jump on them. (laughs) (laughs) Go, game on. (laughs) She's in. I think I'm the opposite. I think I'm, I think no one would know I like them. And then all of a sudden I go, so you're going to ask me out? And they're like, what? (laughs) So I'm like super direct. I need to be more bold. I don't know. I think it shocks people sometimes when I do it. Um, So you talked a bit, uh, mentioned there about you think, oh, why would they like me? Do you think self-confidence has been a thing after your divorce? Was it, because I found after my divorce, my self-confidence was so low and not just with like people fancying me, which, you know, I thought no one's going to think I'm sexy, which I think is why I had some wonderful toilet sexual experiences because I was like, oh my God, these people want to have sex with me and they're hot. Let's do it. Every time I have sex in my brain, I'm like, how is this happening? (laughs) Um, I think really... I come from a place of low self-esteem. I had it as a child. I had it as a teenager, my early 20s. Um, so when marriage came my way, I was I snapped it up because I thought, well, no one else has ever asked me to marry me. Like, and, well, finally I've done it. And I can't let this one go away because I'll never get married. Um, because I wanted to do that. I, I felt I, as a the society, the world that I was brought up in, everyone got married, everyone had kids. Even though I set myself aside and became an actor, I still wanted those traditional things that everyone all my cousins had done because I still felt like a failure, which is baloney, but but I, I needed to achieve those things. Um, but I did, I, I always, I didn't have that many boyfriends. I was single for an awful long time. I always felt like a freak. I mean, I remember my dad sort of like asking me when we were in a family meal when I was 16, as the waiter came over, he was like, so are you a lesbian? And I was like, went bright red, just because I think everyone around me couldn't understand why I didn't have a boyfriend. And the more people were like, what's wrong? Why? Why aren't you a boyfriend? The more it fed into my self-esteem that I was not good enough or not attractive enough like it just because everyone just was so shocked and and it just made me feel like an even more of a freak like I was like oh so on the surface I look like I should have a boyfriend because the packaging right now fits that brief but internally I must be a fucking monster like and actually I could be fat tomorrow and I got loads of those like weird bulimic ideas in my head um so that held me back. And then obviously then I met someone who wasn't healthy for me and it kind of fed into that more so. So now, now I realize that in order to have a healthy relationship with anybody in my life, male, female, you have to come from a place of liking yourself. Otherwise you're just going to attract more vampires really. So I, now I have to build up on my confidence because I don't want to spend the next 38 years of my life in the same patterns that I've just done. So I feel more confident, but someone did point out the other day, they're like, when you talk about yourself, you, you're kind of self-deprecating, but like you also accept your failures, and but you don't realise that you're actually really good and it's weird. <laughs> so that's a nice thing for someone to say you are really good you're really good um yeah so I still need to do work on that it's it's a weird we're British we've been taught not to boast also I think the British style of of comedy is quite often the self-deprecating one I I think I learned especially with my stand-up I sort of learned that if I was rude about myself people would laugh yeah and that was like a thing and then it takes quite a while I think to work through it and be like, I can also, you know, cause now if I go on stage and I go, guys just want to let you know, I'm pretty amazing. Yeah. And flick my hair. People will also laugh yeah. and that's not, you know, self-deprecating. So it's all, I think it's these learned behaviors that we have. Yeah. Cause my humor came out from being bullied. So at school, so then I then decided to bully myself and then that got more laughs and then people started to like me. And then that was been my whole thing. Whenever I meet, someone is I quickly put myself down because I don't want them to think I'm a prick because I think that people will think I'm a dick just by just in first impressions of like oh you're an actress you're on the telly um you're clearly going to be a dick so I'm like oh, 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 
I'm not a dick. I'm not a dick. I, I hate myself. <laughs> I'm like you, but lower. <laughs> and um, I don't know if it's something you're comfortable talking about, um, but obviously you come from quite a talented family who are also in the public eye. Do you think, has it been tough for you going through difficult times do you find yourself comparing yourself to your family or is it actually more supportive because you're all in the public eye and you've all been through tough times Uh, weirdly like it's very supportive like I was it's it's so so interesting that you bring that up because I was talking to my mum about it and I was like it's it's quite a unique um situation our family like it's not there's only a few rare dynasties and I, I cringe when I say that but that is quite a unique thing and I was like you know we get we, we we've gone through that we've processed that we're still dealing with that and I said and fame is such a toxic thing and you have to kind of we, we are quite guarded but then we're also a very open family at the same time um but you know, Russell was amazing because at the very beginning, I kind of, like, my mum and Russell were doing a travel show uh, in India and I, rem- I was living with my mum at the time and she said to me, whatever you do, don't do anything. And the next day, she was at the airport. I called her, right? I've left him, I've left him, I've left him. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what? About to do this whole, like, eight weeks away and I've got a, 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 a Callum was only seven months and Wesley was just turned four. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's absolutely fine. I'll be absolutely fine. Don't worry, I'll see you in eight weeks. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> I hung up on her. And then, and then I did my first mediation and it was a shitbox show. It was awful. And I, and I did not know what to do. I did not want to call my mum. I, I called Russell because I wanted mum to enjoy the show. So I called up Russell and went, huh? I was like, just, just have, it's be absolutely fine. I'm going to sort it. It's going to be absolutely fine. Just have a great TV show and really have fun. And then about 10 minutes later, I got a call from his uh, personal assistant, who's beautiful. And she just said, um, we have a solicitor for you. Uh, Russell's paying for the bills. Don't worry about that. Um, I'll give her your email and we'll get things sorted. And probably about like six months into that, I, I then could, I gathered myself. And I was like, I love that you're doing this for me, but I need to now pay for my legal fees. Um, I need to do that. And he allowed me to take it over because I think he would have, he, he would have paid for all of them. But I think a sense of pride, it's my problem. It's my shit. Um, and I need to empower myself. But so lovely that he was there for you, even from across the other side of the world. That's a good support network. It was amazing. And they've been amazing. They've been, you know, they, like my parents allowed me to stay in the house for two years with no, no problems. And I now have my own house here and it's just great. But we're now, <laughs> we're now in talks of they're going to sell their house and buy a bigger house. And actually they've missed the boys so much during lockdown that they're like, what if we get an annex? So we're probably all going to move back in again. Oh my God, that's so nice. But we love each other. It genuinely does work. It's like the Royal Tenenbaums. Bombs. It is. I'm Ben Stiller with the two boys. Like Russell's going to buy me, me and the boys red uh, Adidas uh, tracksuits for Christmas. Because he's like, Amazing. yeah, happened. it's happened. I want to see this family Christmas photo. <laughs> we're, um, a re- we're a reality TV show waiting to happen. We absolutely yeah. are. Especially all in the same house you'd be like the Kardashian yeah and my dad's constantly in bike lycra all the time spinning it's <laughs> wow. insane intense yeah lycra because obviously going through difficult times are hard but in the public eyes even harder and how's dating because obviously you said you'd like had one sexy experience and now you've met someone but did you feel scared about because I you know I'm not as in the public eye as you are but I found that people have googled me before and I don't even give them my whole name but like people have looked me up before a date with me and then like give me weird information that was incorrect from my wikipedia oh that's weird that's weird but I, I have been um googled actually on a date the guy halfway through the date then googled me in front of me and then like because he was kind of like I guess he was the big don in his life and then when as he googled me it was he I could see the shock on his face of like 
oh, she's quite accomplished. And it almost, I could see him kind of feel a bit perturbed by it. And I thought, this, this is, this is A, it's fucking rude and weird to do that. It's like, wait until I go to the toilets or like, do, <laughs> yeah. it, do it later on this evening. Like, if you're interested. Um, but yeah, it's quite, it's quite hard. Generally, I feel more safe amongst creatives who understand and have their own stuff going on um, than I do with people who aren't in the industry. I feel a little bit like, mm, why, why do you want to go out with me? Do, do, you want to, do you want to be best friends with my brother? Like that does. There's that do. whole other layer, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Because it's not only just me. It's like the the mega the mega guy behind me as well. That's a huge thing, and it's a kind of it's an, a, a weird thing. It's like, mm. and then or if they say, oh, I've, I don't really, I don't really know his work. I then kind of think, well, you're a cunt. Fuck off. So, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't win. They can't win. They can't win. <laughs> or if they do say that, I kind of think, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You're just trying to play it cool, but fine, whatever. Um, so looking forward, you've met someone interesting. Something's happening, but we're not sure what, but that's lovely. Yeah, I think it's really good because when you've been in a codependent relationship, it's actually very healthy for you to establish uh, platonic relationships and also romantic relationships and not have them be all com- compensating when you've been codependent, you're more likely to lock into those those patterns because they feel like home. Like I had 10 years of that. It's really healthy for me now to learn how to just like, just be with someone. And what if, if it just, if it just sizzles out and we just are friends, that's still nice. So but also I have to factor in the kids and the kids are actually brilliant because they slow everything down because it's like, well, this person can't meet my children until they're actually a real thing so it is it's going to be very slow and and then when they meet the kids then you're like oh oh shit it's real (laughs) and and I mean I know you don't have an agenda but looking far into the future do you think you would get married again or is it something that has your divorce put you off I I, know I do I do believe in marriage I, I I like the idea of, of being with a partner and involving with them. Like I'm, I'm a very loyal person. So I'd, I don't really want to have, have lots of transitional relationships, you know, have the kids have loads of uncles. I, I kind of would like to have a companion for a good, good length of my time on this world. And I love a wedding. I love a wedding. But this time I think, my last wedding, I didn't really have much say in it. I just people pleased and I did everything that everyone wanted me. Like half my friends weren't even invited to the wedding because it was filled up with family friends and who should be there and blah, blah, blah. And um, so this time I think I would have it more about being a big old party and celebrating our life, my life. Lots of people say the second marriage is the best marriage. So we can look forward to that. Maybe the and, third. And, yeah. <laughs> and lots of people say um, that their second wedding was much more them and, and has and have a similar relationship to the first wedding memories. And actually I interviewed Jess Robinson for oh, season she's two I love of her. the podcast. Yeah. And she calls her first husband practice husband, which I love. Yes. Because yes. it's like I've I've made all my mistakes there and, and found out what I need. And then, yeah. you know, and then second husband is the proper husband. So, yes, just to round off, I was going to ask you some things that I've been going through recently and get your take on them. So I, uh, I've recently done some things that I've never done before because my ex used to do them. So I mowed the lawn which felt strong and I've I've put together a um it was a flat pack wooden outdoor storage box with loads of screws and all of that and I put it together all by myself and like nailed the top 
coating on and then put it outside. And I felt so, I mean, I hurt my wrists in the process because yeah. I'm not used to doing DIY. But I felt so proud when I've done it because it would have been something that my ex would have done and I would have, you know, waited for him to do it and just not even thought about doing it yeah. myself. Have you had a situation where you've like done something for the first time and been like, wow, I feel so powerful? Well, yeah, like when I moved in here a week before lockdown, so I didn't have any of my support network, like my mum, my dad, my lovely uncle, Jonathan and Auntie Jane, who are amazing. They always help me out with DIY stuff. So I had to literally build so many flat packs, like all my evenings, because I tried to do it in the day with the kids, but that was just an absolute logistical nightmare of like, I'm going to maim them with nails. I'm like, don't, don't try that, you will die. Um, so I had to do it all in the evening and there would be times where I would just put it all in the spare room halfway through the evening, just be like, fuck you and slam the door. Um, but then, you know, I, I did achieve it and it felt, I mean, it was really helpful during the lockdown because it gave me a focus, like a deranged mental bitch focus of like, I'm going to build this cupboard by myself and I will lift it up whilst breathing. <laughs> like I built this utility cupboard that was six foot tall and it's like heavy wood. And then I'm like, <laughs> and it's like, it's all built on the floor and then I couldn't lift it up. I was like, fuck you, fuck my life. I'm living my life. It's good. I'm winning, I'm winning. And it's like not moving. And then lockdown was like, started to ease a bit and I was like mum could you just could you just come into the house clean your hands don't touch I wear gloves and we'll lift this utility cover together and we did and it was like oh okay it's fine I built it but I couldn't lift it (laughs) (laughs) amazing and what about um you said you moved into your house and I'm still in the house I shared with my ex but I've sort of taken it over and made it my own and like painted the kitchen pink and I've painted a a bright yellow sort of circle like the sun on the corridor wall and like you can, stuff because you fucking yeah. can and no one's going why have you done that yeah exactly stuff that he would have been like what are you doing and I'm just making it my own do you remember like a a, a visual thing that you like bought a vase or like painted a wall and were like yes I can do this now because there's no one else I painted my kitchen blue like bright petrol blue and it wasn't the, it wasn't the blue that I wanted I wanted navy blue um but my ex would have been like oh that's the wrong color and it would have been an ongoing like <sighs> but I just was like do you know what I love it I love it I love it. And every day I'm like, it's growing on me and it's such a bright, happy color that I'm like, this is amazing. I've done this and I'm happy with it. It was a fail, but now it's a win. <laughs> um, and, and I love the fact that I can buy curtains and I don't have to discuss whether they like it or not. And I can buy up, 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 whatever I want. And this it's not an issue. Like that stuff was so big in my world before now it's like it's so light and it's it's just it's just joyful it's just joyful that I can buy something that I love that's beautiful and it's not there's not going to be any arguments um do you remember a moment when you thought post-divorce when you thought oh I'm gonna be okay this is good god I've had so many of those moments to be honest which is a, a really positive thing for people who are just getting out of it. Um, every day, every day I have that of like, I can't believe, like I was set, I sent a message to my a friend today. I was like, it's so weird that I'm doing a divorce podcast because sometimes I forget I'm divorced and then I forget that I was married. And it's like, I almost feel like I'm a cat and I'm on my fifth life. Like I just, I feel like I'm in a whole another life and also sometimes when I'm not with my children like this summer was the first summer that I had to do every other week which was huge I didn't have the kids for like seven days in a row and that felt weird because that did I did genuinely feel like I was on a holiday from my life and this wasn't authentic because I'm a mum full time so without the kids if unless I'm working then it's like this doesn't make sense so that was a really weird one but like lately it's relief it's relief and it's it's sort of every day 
or it, it spills out when I sort of see my mum and have a chat with her and she's just, and I'm just like, oh, isn't it good I'm not married? <laughs> she's like, yes. <laughs> That's so nice. And finally, if anyone's listening now and they, you know, can relate to a lot of the things that you've talked about and they're right at the beginning of that journey or maybe they're thinking about getting divorced, what, is there anything, any advice you'd give them or anything you'd say to them? Sort your finances out. Talk to a solicitor see where you stand, get your friends on side, tell your parents before you do anything, let them counsel you. Um, but also you have to follow your gut. go see a therapist now and, and tell them everything. If you're in a relationship and you feel like you've got butterflies and not good butterflies, like you want to vomit, <laughs> you've got to leave, babe. You've got to leave because life's too short. And if you feel nervous all the time, you're not happy. Leave. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's, you know, I'm only two and and a half years out, but I wake up smiling and I'm really happy. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been a great chat. I've really enjoyed it. It's because I've had sex. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Where can people uh, follow you online and see more you? So I'm obnoxiously, I'm called The Kerry Howard um, on Twitter and on Instagram. So you can follow me on those channels. And also you can watch me in a show at the moment on Sky One, Two Weeks to Live, where I play Beth and I've got the best wig, best wig I've ever had in my life. So just watch it for the hair, please. I will. Um, Thank you so much. That was great. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice they're lovely to read they keep me cheery and happy and keep me going Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast and I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts so if you'd like to leave a review I'd love you forever you can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well I'll take all the reviews you've got to give you can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.